Welcome back, everyone, to a new Globalism podcast. My name is Arya Alaverdi. I'm joined by Sina Soimian and uh, somebody who's been on the podcast before, um, Sahand Salari. Uh, Sina, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Arya. I'm good. Uh, it's good to speak to you. And, of course, it's great to have uh, Sahand on the show as well. Yeah, good to be on. Thank you, Arya. Okay, okay. So, basically, this, this podcast is going to be based around the Iran-Iraq game. Uh, that took place in Jordan, in Amman, uh, on Thursday. Um, World Cup qualifying match, last game of 2019 for the national team. Uh, the, the match ended for 2-1 defeat to Iraq. And unfortunately, you know, there's been a lot of backlash uh, after that game. A lot of people who are criticising Wilmots for the way it played. Um, and... Specifically, um, the the captain of the national team, Master Chojai, has obviously been getting a lot of criticism over the last, even last year, I'd say. And in this game, it kind of extenuated that um, level of criticism on him. Um, But first of all, I want to speak about um, the squad that Wilmot's put out. Before that, though, uh, we need to discuss um, how his late arrival in Iran may have impacted the players, you know, because he arrived uh, four days late for the training camp um, because he was uh, he was refusing to, to undergo the training camp until he got paid by the Iranian Federation. And as a result, the training camp started quite late. Um, and how do you think that, guys, that impacted the camp uh, in general then? Yeah, I mean, uh, as you said, um, I think especially for a new manager who's still trying to get to know the players, um, you know, not not just the players who were there, but also maybe his, his coaching staff and so on. So it's very unprofessional. It's, it's really disappointing. And one thing that actually really frustrated me more than him individually turning up late is that the fact that um, even his assistants weren't present in Iran uh prior to him turning up. Kedrush has had um, issues with the federations as, uh, federation as well in terms of getting paid, but Oceana Cruz, Mark Arogajanian, um, Alexander Lopez as well, he was, they were always in Iran, uh, I'd say a month before each, um, each training camp to observe the, observe the players domestically, but also prepare the training camps as well uh, for Kedrush's arrival. That wasn't the case this time. Uh, from what I've heard, all his assistants uh, refused to come to Iran as well until they um, they were paid. Which is look, it's an issue that we we have to deal with. It's it's not something new, uh, but I think in anticipation, FA could have dealt with it better, and Wilmots definitely should have um, dealt with it better as well, rather than just leaving everyone in kind of limbo. Um, you know, a week to ten days before. Uh, before the actual game and as we discussed in previous episode as well it was always going to be a very important game considering the result in the last game um so that was with his late arrival the squad itself um of course there's disappointments i think with in hindsight and of course considering how the game went i think uh players like Jahan Bash, who are playing for a premier league club you know, it, it's fair enough that he hasn't had a minute so far this season. It's really disappointing. But there is no question that in terms of level of football, he's a lot higher than, I'd say, majority of uh, of the squad. And I would have been keen to see how he gets on 
on the real mud, but we haven't had that much of a chance to, to, to see that. It's a similar case with Ezatoloi as well. I think considering Hodge Safi's injury and the fact that we were really short in midfield, I think he, he, he should have um, he should have invited Ezatoloi. Um, again, even if he's not going to play, if he's not going to you know, be involved in the game itself, as a manager, you're still going to get to see your key players until they are actually match fit. So I think that's one of the things that really disappointed me. Um, I know you're going to talk about Shujai and Amiri. I don't really have much of a problem with them being invited, again, considering that the options, um, you know, we were short in options. I know we, we discussed prior to recording uh, about Mehrdad Mohammadi and so on. Uh, but even on the Cairo, Shujai was, was invited. Um, I think on a, a kind of a squad-to-squad basis. He was, he was, he was almost always there. Um, so I don't have a problem with him being there. I think the role that he was given was incorrect. And again, the criticism Shoja has been getting is it's almost embarrassing, but I'm sure we'll get to it later on. So, Sahan, you know, because obviously, you know, we, we know that, like it's like um, Sina was saying, specifically Masoud Shoja, uh, just because obviously Sina's brought it up now, we can kind of go into that topic quite quickly. Because, you know, he's been the captain of the national team for, for a number of years now. Um, I think he's basically the guy who took over after Nick Wunam. Um And specifically for him to be criticised that heavily in a game like this. Now, you have to understand this as well. Shojai doesn't start games for Iran very often. The last game that he started was against... Uh, I think it was against Morocco in the World Cup. I don't think he started any other games before after that, even in the Asian Cup. Um he has basically been a bench player um, for Iran, and you know, and even for his club in Iran, Tiraktor, he's not—he is playing, but he's not always starting for them. So he's like—he's—he's he's kind of not really getting a lot of game time, even at club level. He's getting—he's subbed off around the 70th minute or so, and so on. But in this game, he played about 80 minutes, um, and then he got sent off. Sand, what, I mean, what do you think about that in terms of like him starting the game, playing nine, playing eighteen, or probably would have played ninety minutes if he, you know, not got sent off. What, what how do we see this captain, you know, progressing? Uh, yeah, I think that uh, in general, when we talk about Shojai, we're talking about a player who's uh, been part of the national team set up for, you know, something over fifteen years, I think. Um, close to 15 years at least, which is a really long time for any player, I think, to be a part of a national team setup. And uh, yeah, I think we know that Shojai is there primarily for bringing experience and some leadership to the team. And I know he is kind of has a good status um, amongst the players as a kind of at least off the field as a leader. But I mean, as you mentioned, he hasn't played since the Morocco game, and I, I was there in the stadium that day in St. Petersburg, and I think it's fair to say it was like an unmitigated disaster. I mean, he was on the field for about 60 minutes and was late to most loose balls, making bad fouls, and not really adding anything offensively, um, giving a lot of turnovers, and Kairos pretty quickly subbed him out, and uh, he didn't, I mean, as you said, appear for months after that. So I think the decision of Wilmot to start him, I think, was uh, in part because we were in a high-stress situation and a high-stress 
you know, place, um, obviously in Jordan, but there's a lot of Iraqi fans there. And I think he thought that um, Masoud could bring a level of experience and calm to the team. But it's pretty clear that I think when a player is physically, if you just look at him physically as a player, is incapable of keeping up at that sort of speed. And if you just look at his... Um, in the game, how many loose balls he was late to, how many 50-50s he was late to, you know, that sort of stuff just from a technical performance point of view before we even get into discussing the, um, you know, his handling of his emotions and stuff like that was definitely lacking. And even if you look at Shojai in his peak years in Team Medley and in general as a player, he's never been a player who under high pressure in the midfield is able to um, really show himself, especially, you know, when the other team is physical, he often gets marginalized. And that's just been a, a feature of his play, I mean, forever, really. And so it's not like something that just developed. It's always been the case with him. Um, so I personally think it was kind of a shock to select him to start such a crucial game, given, you know, the physical limitations and the technical limitations that I think he has. And, um, yeah, I mean, that's just not talking about the um, kind of yeah. mental component, which I think we're going to get into. I think uh, Shoja is a good player. Like, technically, he's a good player. Like, you know, if, you, if you're going to speak about him, as if, he was put, if he was put in a futsal match, for example, he'd probably be unbelievable because he has that technical ability. Like, if he, he, he um, against... Uh, Esther Law, um, I think it was a week before the game or two weeks before the game, he gave an unbelievable assist to Sosan Ansari. Like, he just came on, like, about the 70th minute or whatever and lobbed the ball over the top for Ansari, who just headed it in. But it was, like, an unbelievable ball. And he has that sort of killer pass ability. But like you're saying, San, in this game against Iraq, these players um, are playing with, with an intensity that they want to beat Iran. You know, they want to beat Iran, and, and you know they're not going to give him any space on the ball. They're going to target him for being a slower player than everyone else. And he was slower than everyone else. Like in my opinion, if you watch the game, um, he was giving away, or he was taking up so much space for players to run into. There was tons of times where people like. Uh, Tarami and uh, Imohebi didn't have the sort of space to maneuver because Shojai was just standing there, just doing nothing. And um, I really like him as a as a as a guy. I think he's a, he's a really uh, off the field. He he does really good. Um, a lot of you know on Instagram, he's always posting stuff about you know speaking up out, out against the government, and just all that sort of stuff. He's very very good captain off the field, but. On the field, I just don't see how he's giving the team any help. Uh, maybe in a training ground he helps, like, a lot. I'm sure he does. But it does not mean you need to start him. It just doesn't mean that you need to start him. Like, you can start Kori Zadeh, who's been playing absolutely good football for Charlevoix and Belgium. You can start um, anyone but him. <laughs> so even Ansari Fabre have been fine in this game. But it didn't, it didn't work out. And... Uh, I want to hear Sina's thoughts because obviously you touched on it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I agreed with everything you said earlier. I think in terms of him technically, there's no question that I think in the last 10, 15 years, as Sahan said, he's, that he's been involved in the national team. 
Um, in terms of technical ability, he's up there with the very best. He had a very long-term injury. I think he was out for about 18 months while he was at Osasuna. And since then, he lost his pace. Now, football isn't just about pace. If it was, he would have retired at 26, 27. Um, he still has ability. He's had ability for the eight, nine years. It's just that his role has changed. And like you said, Arya, he's... His um, ability on the ball, I'd say he's still one of the uh, you know top ten players in the national team. With everything else, he's not. Um, as Sahan said, he was late to challenges. He has been for the past few years uh, because he's lost that uh, that bit of pace. Uh, he's not as agile as, as he used to be. Um, so with that change in ability, should come a change in role. Which, uh, and I mean, I don't mean role in the team. I mean on the pitch as well. Uh, the, the the job that he does um, and Kairos managed that really well now the, it's it's all good and well criticising for Shujoi for the play he is but I mean it's kind of it's out of his hand if he doesn't have the pace it's, it's, it's not his fault it's the manager's fault for putting him in that position like you said he doesn't move around the pitch that much so why not give him a role you know in a part of the pitch and if you're going to start him have players around him who will make up for that lack of movement rather than relying on him to make the challenges and to cover the yeah, ground. Because it would be silly. It's, um, the, it's the manager's like, responsibility. Like you're saying, you know, just, to, just to cover your point up for anyone who doesn't understand this, because he was played as a number 10, wasn't he? He wasn't because um, Kairos played him as like a number 6 almost or a number 8 much more deeper on the, on the field, like naturally because he's getting older. He's getting slower, so he, he played a bit deeper. But in this game, he's playing off Osmoon almost. And you're expecting him to give Osmoon support by making runs ahead of him or making runs beyond the wingers or whatever. But he wasn't doing that, so I don't know how that's going to help him. Uh, if, I could just, uh, if I could just jump in, Aria, I think there's a clear difference between somebody having a proficient technical ability and being able to carry that out at pace. You know, in a high, as you mentioned, a high stress situation when we're being swarmed. If you look at the second half and the first half, and especially the second half, we were being swarmed by the Iraqi midfield. You know, we couldn't even connect two passes in our own half. Just because Shojai is technically was once a very good player, maybe still technically now, it doesn't mean he can carry out anything. But is that his fault? At pace. Is that and his fault? I I would say that. Obviously, he's been selected to play, so he has to play. That much is not his fault. But I just disagree with the fact that even if he's in a role on the field where he's protected, I don't think that Shojai's positive impact on the field is enough to warrant that. And I don't think, secondly, that we have the players that are capable. to. We don't have a player like Angolo Conte or somebody who's capable of covering for you know, basically being one man down effectively in a lot of situations. And even more so, I don't think Shojai himself is a player that we should really say, you know what, he's going to give us so much benefit offensively when we have the ball that we we're willing to take this hit and make up for it in other parts of the field. You know, he's not Pirlo. This, you know, this guy is well past 30. He can't deal with the pace of the game at that high intensity, and we saw that K. Rush ha- like, hasn't used him for months because that's that's just 
mm. something that he came to the similar conclusion. So, I think again, it's so interesting. So do you expect him when he's picked to turn around to the manager and say, actually, um, thank you for picking me, but I'm not going to play? Well, that's why I'm saying that um, obviously once he's been picked, he can't do anything about that. That, exactly. But I'm so questioning, I am questioning the reason why of the he would ever be picked in he, the first place. Exactly. We all have the same question, but it's almost silly to criticize him uh, because of because he's not the player he used to be. So, you know, it's like picking Ali Doi again right now and saying, go and score goals. It, 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 we, we, all, we had the same argument, actually, around 2006, people asking Doi to retire because he's not adding anything to the team. Okay, fair enough, but why is the manager picking him? Why is the manager picking a 38-year-old back then well, or a 34, 35-year-old now uh, yeah. to be in a team where he's, he, he really can't contribute? And not just, not just to pick him to be around the camp, but to mm-hmm. pick him to start. Right. I think the reason that I, I kind of touched on was that I think it comes back to the manager not having a really good grasp of the players. Exactly. You know, I think that in his mind, yeah, I agree. if you think about Masuda Shojai, he's a player that, yeah, I mean, we just talked about. He's been in Team Medley for 10, 15 years. He's played in Spain. You know, he he's, was once a very good technical player. And he was hoping that in this sort of game, Shojai could you know, calm the team down in possession and do stuff like that. But that is just not in touch with reality. You know, if you look at reality, he's not been able to do that for a very, very long time. And this part of me that has more question even, I mean, the technical thing is something I think we can all agree on. Um, but in terms of the mental component of this, Shojai has always been a player who is kind of hot-headed, I mean, yes, he's a leader off the field, but he's countless times for Team Medley. He's lost his cool. He's made bad fouls. He's got yellow cards. And in this game, he had already made a foul on the top of the box at like minute two. You know, if you look at the yellow card he received, he actually lost the ball under a fair challenge from the Iraqi player mm-hmm. and was looking for a foul for about 30, 40 seconds. And when the ref didn't give it, he got up and his next move was to absolutely smash the Iraqi player with the ball and get himself the yellow card. That's not a leader. Yeah. You know? well, that is not somebody who's going to calm the team down on the field in a high-pressure situation because he just did the opposite, actually. I think I think for me, uh, just, to, just to completely end this topic, because it's getting a little bit overblown, but I think for me, if I was to pick a captain for the national team as of today... It would very much still be Ashkan Dejar. Yeah, for me, I think he's a real captain. I think he, uh, yeah, he, he, whenever he had the captain's armband, especially in the Asian Cup, I thought he led the team, and especially because he got so much criticism as well. Same as similar to what Shojo is getting just now, because he was saying, "Oh, he's getting slower. He's not as good." You know, he was still getting the same kind of criticism, but he still went out in the Asian and he still proved people wrong, which is what I want to see from a captain. Moving on. Um, just the squad, that squad that he picked as well, uh, very quickly, and then we'll go on to the game. Uh, and then after that, we're going to just speak about Wilmot and his future. So the first thing I want to speak about is the squad. So the squad was picked, 23 players were picked. Eson Haisafi got injured. Uh, Torabi replaced him. Um, now, one player that really I want to focus on the most, uh, in fact, two players I want to focus on the most are Kori Zadeh and Kaveh Rezaei. Now, these players were called up for the first time, believe it or not, under 
uh, Wilmots. This is the first time they've been called up under him. Um, good inclusions, in my opinion. They've been really, really, really immense for Charlevoix in the last month. Um, regularly being in Team of the Week for in Belgium, etc. Uh, scoring goals, making assists. Um, but Gorizade, um, who I would say probably should have started this game, didn't start the game. And Kovarazai came on in the 89th minute. Uh, Sina, give me your thoughts on these two. I've not really heard your thoughts about these two players, but I know you're, I know you're a big fan of Kovarazai, but um, what did we, why did we not see him play much? Not just Kovarazai, Olizade as well. Um, I remember when he was linked to Charleroi, we had a couple of Belgian journalists, and I said to them back then that um, if they go ahead and, and wrap this deal up, they will sell Olizade for a massive profit in two to three years. And I'm still sticking by that he's a very talented player and a modern winger, which we haven't produced. It's very rare that Iran produces left-footed uh, right wingers um, like Olizadeh. He's, he's technically very good. Um, I think his end product could improve. Uh, but again, he's got plenty of time to do it. Now, as you said, they've both been rightly called up. They should have been called up previously. Uh, but again, it goes back to the same points all of us made about the lack of knowledge uh, of Wilmots. And I think also for slightly on Hashem Yun as well, who's meant to be that sort of guidance for him. Um, now, with Kove, uh, I kind of, I'm not in favour of playing two strikers up front anyway, but I think he has earned an opportunity, uh, maybe not to start against against Iraq but I think in the coming games to certainly start a game and kind of give us a different edge because he's a different sort of player than uh, than Osman is Osman is uh, more of a kind of um, you know poacher in the box he comes alive whereas Rezoi he's very good in the uh, kind of the build-up side of of the game he can get involved uh, with creating opportunities and I've said this previously as well that he'd be great if you've got goal scoring wingers um, and again, that could apply to Jahanbakhsh if he starts. Um, it could also apply to Golizadeh as well. And of course, we've got Tarimi on the left. Uh, but yeah, good to see both of them. I think it was almost insulting to bring on Kovrezai <laughs> on, on 90th minutes. Um, should have brought him on sooner. Should have brought on Golizadeh definitely. He can unlock any defence for me. Um, I remember there was a friendly against Uzbekistan a while ago. Um, and he was the one that made the massive difference. I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah, he um, played at left back. He was at left back, but he was unbelievable. <laughs> no, there was a game he uh, came on. Yeah, I think there was a game against minutes. Venezuela where he yeah, was it was no sorry, yeah. it was against Bolivia. It was against Bolivia when he started. And he swore to go. Um, or maybe it was Venezuela. No, it was, one it of, was, it was one Ve- of, Venezuela. He he started and he scored a goal. Was. He was playing on the right wing, I believe. Yeah. The, 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 the one the one I'm talking about was definitely against Uzbekistan because I remember it was nil nil and he came. He he didn't score. He got the assist. Right. Um. Okay. He he came on in the last 10, 15 minutes. It was one of his earlier caps. So I'm yeah. Maybe yeah. Talking I think, I think it was well. one of the. It was on the same FIFA break that we had uh, mm. Uzbekistan and yes. Venezuela. Yeah. You're uh, right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Uh, yeah, I mean, just building off what Sina said about Kave and uh, Kolizade, I've been watching their games uh, every week for uh, Charleroi, and I, I, I think not only um, is Kave Rezoi a good forward who can play the center forward role, but I think if if you look at the qualities which Sina mentioned, you know, he's a very hard runner. His leading of the press is fantastic. I think that... Uh, 
uh, Mazu, his Romanian coach, uh, during his first stint at Charleroi, who now became the coach of uh, Genk, who are in the Champions League, he said that Calvary-Rezoi um, was one of the best pressers of the ball that he'd ever seen. And, um, you know, he has a really good capacity for leading the press and running all game. He has a good capacity for running into space, you know, off uh, players through through the lines. And he has a very good technique. You know, he has a really good link up play vision and good shooting from outside the box, too. So he really has a lot of aspects to his game and I actually think that we could start with him and Osmoon. I think if you look at um, Osmoon's career as a whole his best moments in teams have always come when he has a very quality strike partner and that has a lot to do with the fact that most of the teams he's played on haven't had good creative midfielders including team medley but when he's partnered with a striker you know at times we've seen him have that sort of partnership with Taremi, but it's not always uh, really easy to have that because Taremi's playing on the left. But we see in Zenit with him and Zuba, we saw in Rostov with him and Polos. So if we consider Osmoon to be our best player, which I think we can agree that he is, to get the best out of him, I think he needs to have more help up front. You know, he needs somebody to be able to get to his knockdowns. He needs somebody to be able to run through and get his knockdowns from the other side. And I think Rezoi could really easily be that player for us and contribute on the defensive side. And I think that, you know, starting Shojoi, who offered none of that, you know, as opposed to having Kolizadeh or Kave Rezoi around Osmoon and getting the best out of him really hurt the team as well. I think um, Sina gave a really good point earlier about the, the the left-footed right winger um, that we don't really produce many of them in Iran. Cover Azoi as well, you know, just being a complete striker. They don't really, we don't really um, uh, produce a lot of them either. You know, they, we have Ansari Fard who's kind of complete, but kind of isn't at the same time. Like, he's, I don't know what he is. He's more uh, of a poacher. More yeah, a poacher. similar. He can play as a winger as well. He has that ability, but he's not quite... Uh, technically as proficient as somebody like Kavir Azai. But a good point by Hussein was the left-footed right-winger, which is something that we've not... Obviously, Merad Mahamadi is also that kind of role as well, which is it's good to see him going to Europe. But Goyuz is a different kind of player, man. I, I don't understand how... He didn't start him in this game. I, I don't get it. Like I, I, I get why he played more heavy, and I've got to say this kid is unbelievable. Like... This kid is really, really talented, and he should not be, um, you know, like people, people shouldn't say, oh yeah, this kid's too young, shouldn't be in the national team. No, he's good. He's a good player, and he has every right to be playing in the national team, in the senior team, because if you can pr- produce an assist like that, um, again, in a high-pressure game, away from home, you are, in my opinion, a national team player, because th- that, that shows a lot of, lot of bottle. For him to go out there and produce an assist at that level, at that age, it's something really, really good. And we need to, we have to really um, credit this kid that he's done that. Um, 20 years old, you know, and he's, he's a young player, but he, he will improve. And if he goes to Europe, which, which he's already said that he wants to do, he will turn into a really good player for the national team. Um, but one player I want to speak about is Ahmad Nurullahi. Because Ivan Nurullahi came in this game and you know he wasn't he wouldn't have started if, if Haisafi was wasn't injured. I don't think he would have benched Haisafi. But 
I want to ask you because he scored the goal. We can't, we can't, we can't. Um, that's a positive, and that's probably one of the only positives in, in the game is that Norla has scored the goal in this game. But I want to ask um, Cena because obviously I know you're an Estelle Wells fan. I know um, Ali Kanemi's also been quite good, but Norla he's kind of been on the fringes of national team, you know, in the last year. He didn't go to the World Cup, but he came into the squad after the World Cup. He was in the Asian Cup. He wasn't starting. He wasn't really playing as a bet. He was subbed on a few times. But for me, if I'm if I'm if I, if I was the coach, he should be starting all the time. I think he has something much, much different, and and he has a lot more quality than um, Ibrahimi, who had a really poor game against Iraq. If I say so myself, a guy who I actually like Ibrahimi, but for me, he had a really poor game, and I think he's one of those guys who should slowly be phased out of the national team from the starting from from starting all the time, but. Nola, he's a really good player. I think he can really offer us something different. What do you guys think, Sino? Yeah, I think, I mean, you could compare it to Ali Karimi. And, uh, under Wilmot, we've been sort of playing with a two-man central midfield. And Karimi can't, can't play that role anyway. He's not, he's not mobile enough. Um, Nola, he offers different things. Um, he's sort of a complete midfield. He's almost like a younger version of Ibrahimi. Um I think that uh, he can be a box box midfielder. I think like he sort of was in this game. Um, he has the ability to spread the ball around physically. He's, um, he's quite good to have in midfield. So um, you're right. I think he'll be more of a um, regular starter going forward. This game and the last game against Bahrain as well, when he came on, um, I thought he had a good performance. With Ibrahimi. I, I said this uh, before the last World Cup that um, he's he's not someone that I would want to see in midfield. I think the formation and the tactics that Kerush was playing really suited him and kind of uh, protected him. Uh, and I think he's got more weaknesses that are coming out, like other players. I'm, I'm sure we'll discuss, like Har Safid had in the in, uh, had shown in, in the uh, in the Bahrain game as well. These plays were protected by Kerosh with the way we were playing. Um, I think he'll be he'll be useful to have, but as you said, I think going forward, he'll slowly be be moved out. Now, with uh, one of the things Sahan said was to start Rezoi and um, Osmoon, which is a really good idea because again, Rezoi is so intelligent because he, I mean he's got the um, technical ability, uh, but it's the fact that his intelligence really kind of makes him. Um, stand, you know, stand out compared to the other strikers that we have. Now, although that's a good combination, because our midfield is really poor uh, in terms of the quality and in terms of the numbers and the options as well, we can't afford to play with two strikers. If we want to protect ourselves going forward and play, play as a team, then we have to protect that midfield. We have to have a midfield that doesn't get outrun like it did against Iraq, like it sort of showed the lack of creativity that it did against Bahrain. And playing the two central midfielders, that's not going to work. And again, it's, it's disappointing to say, um, and I think as as Sahan said, Osmond does need to play with another striker. And that's why someone like Tarani in the previous system was so influential, not just for himself, but for Osmond as well. Because he made those um, inside runs, uh, he found the space, he worked with, well with Osmond. So I think if Rezoi is going to come into the team, he will have to have a similar role to that of Taremi, um on the Kairos rather than playing with two 
strikers up front. I really don't see it working, and I'm really against the idea because of how bad our midfield is and also the defensive mistakes that we have in the back four as well. That midfield needs to be stronger, and we can only do that if we're playing with a three-man midfield. Yeah, I, ag- I agree with uh, Sina on that point. But what I will say is, I mean, we started three midfielders in this previous game. You know, we started with uh, Ibrahim, Nurullahi, and Shodrai. Yes, know, but the shape so, was different. The shape right, wasn't. Right, the shape was. But yeah. what I'm saying is, it wasn't like that additional midfielder, if it's Shojai, you know, or in the last game we were playing a 4-2-4 with Ansari Fat. So uh, if we're if he's going to persist with this these sort of formations and these sort of personnel, then I would say Kavarezai would be an instant upgrade on Ansari Fad or Shojai if he's playing in that kind of second striker false ten role. But, but um, where would where would going, the um, where would where would the um, the chances come from? So well, going, where, where, going where are they going that, to get supplied? Uh, going into the midfield, the you know the discussion about the midfield, which I'm going to get to your point right now, Sina. Um, I would say Nurullahi is a very uh, interesting player, as you guys mentioned. I think he has dynamism. He can get box to box. He has a good shot on him. He's physical. Uh, he's a, he has a lot of, you know, he can put in a lot of miles. So I really like his addition. I think he can become a mainstay for Team Medley, and he's still young. And um, uh, what I liked also was his growth. I mean, we saw him play in a game versus South Korea, um, where he was pretty good, and that was Wilmot's second game. And I think that, you know, if we're going to be in these sort of high-pressure games, Iraq game, I would rather see young players or players that haven't, you know, been involved as much, like um, Nurullahi, Mohebi, them being given the chance. Because, you know, if they make mistakes, there's a good chance that they're going to improve from that. And they're going to be able to show themselves better in the future. And we saw that from Mohebi, and we saw that from Nurullahi, who improved. And even though the team was kind of folding, he was able to be strong and score the goal. Now, if we're talking about how we're going to get, you know, chances without having that additional midfielder, I think that when Kodus comes back, he is that guy. He's the number 10 for Team Medli, and I think he's going to be one of the key ways that we're going to get our chances, and he can play in that mid, more traditional number 10 midfield role, and he'd be perfect for that. But I think, uh, you know, this game he was unavailable. Um, and my tactic would have been, you know, if we don't really have that traditional number 10, would be to, if we're going to play through the middle, which I don't know how uh, how comfortable the team is doing that, but that's something we were starting to do under K. Roche in the Asian Cup, before the Asian Cup, and even in the Japan game. We were kind of starting with, starting to really kind of play out of the back more, using Majida Hosseini's passing range, Purali Ganji's passing range, Ebrahimi's passing range, and getting the ball to... Um, sort of ball carriers, Hodge Safi was one of the cases, but I think Nurullah, he's a better example of that, and Quli Zadeh, and getting the ball to those players and with them as the driving force advancing up the field into the positions where we could get Osmoon and Taremi to combine. Now, if we're not confident doing that right now with the pressure the team is under, we could go long again if if we need to create chances. I think if we're going long, Majida Hosseini is probably our best passer out of the back, and he needs to be used. But the thing is, when you go long to Osmoon, and this is why I'd include uh, Kaveh Rezaisina, is because when you go long to Osmoon, 
the balls need to be accurate, but also there needs to be people under and around him connecting to the second ball. That's the key. Or else what's going to happen is what we saw against Iraq. You know, random long balls going nowhere near him. Nobody's around him. And it's really hard to connect and build an offensive play like that. But if Kabe Rezaei, Taremi, Kholizade are all positioned close to him and Nurullah, he's coming also from the back and able to attach, then you can get to those knockdowns. And from there, in a higher position of the field, you can build your attacks. You mentioned Kodus. So, so where would... so? Kodus playing number 10, you want to play him behind Rezaei and Osmoon? No, so I think if, if Kodus is available, my team would be, um, I mean, just the midfield setup would be Ebrahimi, Nurullahi, Kodus, and then Taremi, Osmoon, and Kulizadeh. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't have Rezaei in that case, but I think obviously um, he would be somebody you would be rotating in frequently, you'd be giving minutes to if you need another goal, you, you go to the two-forward formation. But in this game, with Kodus not available, I think he would have been a good option to start in that role that Shodrai was playing. Sina, have you got something to add? I mean, generally, I mean, in this game, it was shambolic, whether, I think, yeah. with two, uh, two strikers as well. Playing out the back, and, and you mentioned Hosseini and the random balls going forward, and you're right. The reason for that is he's insistent on playing out from the back, but you can't do it with two strikers again because you're short mm. in numbers in midfield. Yeah, so there was these two, you had the, you had your back four and you have two central midfielders who you want to get the ball to from the back four. Now, what did Iraq do? Iraq started with two strikers and all they did was close out the channel, uh, passing channels to midfield. So then what did you do? Then, and he's, he wasn't really playing with wingers. He was almost like, attacking midfielders who push a bit wide. So the ball goes out to the fullback, comes back to central uh, defence, Hosseini or, or Kanoni, and then it goes up to uh, to Osmoon. Again, it's it's just, it was a mess. It was almost wanna, embarrassing. And almost as if, if, you want to, if you want to go and play long, and, and I agree with what Sahan said, so... Um, Osmond's flick-ons do definitely work. You need players to run off of off him behind the defence, and you also need your midfielders to pick up the second balls. But again, that's not really attacking football because you're trying to attack in two or three passes to create a chance, and I'd say more than 50% of the time, that ball will come back towards your own half. So it's kind of, um, again, in a perfect world, we would play like that. Uh, but I don't think it'll get to a point where Wilmots would because he's contradicting what he's saying. He wants to play possession football. He wants yeah. to build from the back. He wants to have 60% possession, 50-60% possession, and you can't do that with two strikers. It's, it's impossible is, to do it with two strikers because you, is, need, you always need a holding midfielder, yeah. like Ezzatullah he was, like Nikunam was when he was playing, to come and collect the ball, but at the same time be that reference point for the team. And we're not doing that. The wingers, again, you need your wingers to be as wide as possible. Stretch the pitch. Bring your midfield out. We're not doing that. We're playing so narrow. Again, it's, it's honestly embarrassing. But, I mean, the thing is, if you, you know, saying that I want to play attacking football is one thing. But we can't deal with what Wilmot says. We have to deal with the reality. The reality is on the field, we're not playing attacking football. We're not dominating possession at all. So... If that's the case, it's apparent that we're not able to do that, you know, for the personnel reasons or whatever other reasons that we've talked about. 
So if we can't do that and we're going long anyways, because in this game we were going long. That's what was happening. We were getting the ball either to the fullback or the center back, and they were just lumping up balls that weren't even close to anybody. You know, if that's what's going to be happening and the other team is going to force us to playing, be playing long, then we have to have a plan for that. And I think the, a good plan for that is to say, okay, we're going to play long. We're going to hit Osmoon. We're going to hit Taremi. They're really good in the 50-50s in the air. So is Kaverezoi. And with Kaverezoi's intelligence, Olizade's speed, those players can attach under and get the ball in those areas. But we had a situation where we weren't playing possession football. We were playing long to nobody. And as you saw, we only created, we didn't even create one chance in the whole of the second half. So that's, you know, that's pretty much what so happened. That, that, I mean, saying you that, want to play attacking football is one I wanna, thing, but we can't do it on the field. That's exactly the point. So the most concerning thing about the results, and I agree with everything Sahan said, is, is not the fact that we lost. We, we, we lose football games. We lost to Japan. We, we've, again, for if we have listeners who didn't watch uh, Iran before 2009, this is what used to happen on a regular basis. So... Yeah. Losing happens. I don't have a problem with that. But the, the issue is everything that Sahan mentioned happened in the Bahrain game. So this guy's come out and did the exact same thing again yeah, in exactly. a more important game. We so, didn't learn from we didn't learn yeah. from anything or make any adjustments. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. I was gonna say because look, uh, he 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 tried to make an adjustment. Let, let's get this. St- I mean, he tried to make an adjustment. He put in, in the Bahrain game. He played a four four two and he played Ansari Fard and Osman up front together. In this game. Specifically, he played Shojoy off Osmoon. That was his change. That was his idea. Let's play a 4-2-3-1. Let's change the formation slightly. Let's make uh, Osmoon a lone striker, have him play, have a midfielder off him, uh, Shojoy, and let's try and make a bit of crazy. It didn't work because it, does, it can't work. It doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. You can play, you can literally play two players behind Osmoon in that, in that, in that similar formation. It's, like, you can, it doesn't work. It, it won't make any difference to how much creativity we will create in the final third. Because like Shoem Sina saying, um, if he wants to play uh, um, out the back, if he wants to play from, uh, build up play from the defence to the midfield to the strikers, you have to have an extra deep-lying midfielder. Uh, like, for example, I mean, if, look at the way Kairosh set up his team. He had very much five in midfield but he had a, a five in midfield that were pretty deep and especially the three in the middle were very very deep very very involved with the center backs um if you look at the gap between uh especially Ibrahim sat quite deep in this game but Nurullahi and Shojai were like literally in the other half of the pitch most of the time like they never really came anywhere near the, the spacing. The, ball. the, the spacing yeah. and positioning was ridiculously yeah, off. Yeah, it was bad. And, then and if you look at it from a perspective of like, like you're saying, San, like Canonies or Degon literally played like 15 long balls in this game because he had to. That was the only thing he could do. Even if he wants to play it from the back, eventually he will have to resort to playing a long ball. And my issue with that is that it shows you that Wilmot had no plan B. Because if you're going to play out from the back, normally the plan B is going to be a long ball. And that's normally your, so you can clear it and, and you can do it again if it comes back to you. 
He didn't even put Majid Hosseini, the guy who's good at long balls, which is just ridiculous. Like, if you got a plan B, you would at least put a player who's good at doing the plan B. Do you know what I mean? Like, mate, like, you literally don't know what your players are good at. You put Kanani on here, the only thing is well, clear the ball. Um, one of the biggest things that he's actually come out, and again, I think he's got good intentions, but it's not going to work, is the fact that he's come out and he's given more freedom to the players in their decision-making, in the way they want to play. Um, but this is in Europe. None of these players and the footballing education that they've had have been taught how to make correct decisions. And it's just it's something we have to accept. Our players, Iranian players, don't have great decision-making, which is why players like Dejoga, even though they've lost that pace, and he probably has less pace than Shojai, but when he plays, he's just an almost on a different world because he's really smart. His decision-making is correct. The, the only two plays that I've watched in my lifetime and I thought these guys, in terms of their movements, in terms of the you know the constant decisions they make, they make on the pitch are, are really good is Mahdavikya and Nekunam. Those are the only two. This thing that he's come out and given more freedoms to the players on the pitch, this will not work, whether it's on the ball, off the ball, or in terms of leadership as well. We talked about leadership. But we didn't have any of these issues on the Kairosh. Why? Because he he was the leader. He made the decisions for the players. He took that choice away from them. The players almost became tools on the pitch, which is why when you take out players like Jalal Hosseini, for example, and you bring on a young Majid Hosseini with no experience, it would still work. Why? Because it's a system and the players are simply tools. You don't rely on the players to make decisions just, on their own. So Just adding... Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, it's I mean, adding, adding to that is, you know, something we talked about was Ebrahimi and, you know, how you guys maybe think that ideally he wouldn't be starting. But in my opinion, Ebrahimi is still probably our, with, given Ezzatullah, he being just fat, I mean, overweight and out of form. He can't even make, you know, the open bench. He's not a viable option at this time. But Ebrahimi is a player who... Uh, if we just want to take European performances right now into account, he joined a team that was pretty much dead last in the table in Belgium. And in the span of six games, his inclusion was pretty much the only change that they made. The team is now comfortably mid-table. He's been in the team of the week once or twice. He's putting great performances against Champions League caliber opponents. So what I would say is, building on what you were saying, Sino, about the system – if Ebrahimi is able to do that five days ago, you know, in Belgium, and he was able to do that under K. Roche, where he was actually the person who was our link out of the back, because, you know, in the span of after the World Cup to the Asian Cup and through the Asian Cup, we were playing in a system that was more focused on playing out of the back. We were using Ebrahimi as the link, and he was proficient enough to be very effective in that role if you look at his passing percentages from the asian cup it was always in the 80s high 90s uh, high 80s 90s and but in this system it's incredible that he looks a shadow of the player that he was just one week ago you know and i think that a lot of the players are experiencing that. We're seeing a lot of players who don't look anything like their usual selves for Team Medley in the past or for their club teams. You know, Osmoon, Taremi, Ebrahimi, uh, even Majida Hosseini, 
Milad Muhammadi. Milad Muhammadi was just man of the match against, I mean, one of the best players against Standard Liège just a few days ago. And he comes into this game and he's getting exposed on the left-hand side every single time. So clearly, the players didn't turn bad in the space of like a week, in the space of a few days. Something about the system has confused them so much. Their positioning is so off that they're just not able to perform with any consistency. I want to add, add something, though, because you're saying system, and I, and I, I absolutely agree that that Wilmot is in the wrong in, with his coaching and his system. Um, but coming back to Cena, uh, what he was saying about Hashimian, uh, I have a real issue. With, I've, I've said it on Twitter a few times as well. I've got a real issue with Hashimian's uh, job at the moment. Um, and I was having a discussion with Bob Ackett on this as well. How, how, how can a coach call up a player who isn't even first choice for his club? How does that make any sense? How does Mohamed Nadiri get called up when he's not even a first choice left back for Paris Police? That literally makes no sense. That lit- that's like literally the the worst thing you can ever do. I'm not saying Mohamed Ansari should get called up. Mohamed Ansari is not a great player either, but he's first choice left back for whenever um, the full, whenever Jalal Hosseini, Khalid Zadeh, and Mohamed um, and Mehdi Shiri are fit. He plays left back, not Mohamed. I don't get how he comes. Well, I mean, I guess, I guess Nadiri is a you know younger player yeah. with some potential, and I, I get that. He's a, he's a reserve left I get back. That. But, but then you, what I have the thing then, about Hashemian is it seems that I mean, obviously he we don't know what he's telling Wilmots behind the scenes. Maybe he's telling him a lot of the things that we're saying, and Wilmots is not paying attention. But I think the problem with Hashemian is a lack of experience in these sort of um, managerial roles. I mean, this is the first assistant coach job of a high-profile team that he's had. I think he managed some, like, sixth or seventh division German teams, but that's it. So I, I'm kind of, you know, a little apprehensive and uh, worried about his ability to really put an imprint on the team as the assistant coach and really be forceful in the way he's expressing his opinions to Wilmots. Because, because it's a shame, it's a because dynamic there's a lot of players who are being called up. You know, it's a dynamic where Hoshemiano is almost kind of like a lame duck. What can he really, yeah. what can he really yeah. do? Yeah. And adding to that, we know that Hoshemiano's personality has always been more understated, you know, calmer guy. He's not... Um, I mean, he has all of his UEFA qualifications and everything, but I don't think he's the guy who's going to go and tell Wilmot, you know what, this is wrong and we can't do this. We're going to lose again. I'm not sure if he's that guy. I I mean, I don't know how many assistant coaches would be that guy anyways. But so the Hashemian role is kind of just like we have this guy with a good background who's sitting there and I don't really think he's doing much. I mean, yeah, and if I'm honest, if I'm honest, and I've heard, I've, I've spoken to a few journalists in, in Belgium about this because from what I, from what I've heard, Wilmos isn't really a coach. And, and from what I've seen, in especially the training videos, if you look at the training videos, and it might not show a lot, but specifically in those videos, I'm Hush, so glad you picked up on that. Hoshimion literally takes all the strict sessions, doesn't he? He takes all the training sessions, and I guarantee you, Wilmot sits on his bum and literally picks Shojai to start. 
I guarantee you that's what he does. I'm not even joking. I Which don't is, even. No, Arya, it's, it's absolutely fine if you're a manager like that. It's not an issue. No, it's fine. There's a lot of men- Listen, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example very quickly, Sina. Go on. I was speaking to. Um, so I'm, I'm doing my course just now for coaching. I was speaking to Andy Halliday, who's playing for Rangers. And he was telling me, Steven Gerrard, who's the coach of Rangers, um, that he doesn't coach. He doesn't do any of the coaching sessions. He literally leaves his assistant to take them. But Gerrard, as a manager, he does what he needs to do. He Before the training sessions, he'll speak to his coaches. He'll tell them what he wants done. And they'll do it for him. And then he'll pick the team on a, on, a, on, a, on a weekend. That's what Gerrard's role is in the team. But that's not what Wilmot should be doing. <laughs> it's not how it works. You're not, you know, you can't, Iranian players don't have that capacity, like you were no, saying. No, no, it's, it's not, it's not an issue. So with Gerard, you're right. And he said it himself, actually, in one of the interviews. He's took Michael Beale from Liverpool and he's become his assistant. And it's Michael Beale who does all the training sessions. With Wilmot, it'd be absolutely fine if it's the coaches who are doing the coaching. It's not an issue. A lot of managers do it at international level and at club level. But the, the problem is, has he actually chosen Hashimian to do that for him or was he a choice that was kind of imposed on him from the federation? That's one question. And also you picked up on the training and I encourage everyone who's listening to this to go and actually watch some of the training sessions that he's put out. It's, again, I think it's the third or fourth time I've said embarrassing. It is embarrassing. The way, the, what, what he's kind of coaching these players is exactly what you would teach an under-sevens team when you're kind of coaching them indoors football, futsal. It's close control, you know, very static. You're an international manager. This is an international football team. Either he doesn't think the players are that good or the level of the training is ridiculously poor. How long were these training videos? I mean, I know a lot of times teams release videos. Of no, training. no, to be honest, to be honest there was one. There was one seconds. I watched. I, listen, Arya, it can be 10 seconds. I could not care less. It can only be 10. Maybe they trained for six hours and that was just a 10 seconds he did that, he did that drill. I could not care less. That 10-second drill is embarrassing what he did. And I, and I don't even know what to call it or how to describe it. I was like the video on, and all that, isn't on it? Twitter. It's, it's not, to be honest, it's not even the races. It's the fact that it's, it's a drill with the ball, uh, but it's all about close control, trying yeah. to get the ball to the other side. Right. I mean, well, I mean, look, it's ridiculous. I, I, I mean, listen, we're not the national team coaches, so we, we can't. I mean, I we could have just you, been a warm up. Me and you, really. me, me and Cena both coach, so we we understand like what it's like coaching kids, what it's like coaching adults. But it's not the same thing coaching the national team of a country. Like you would, like I mean, I, I guarantee you, when Kiosh was coaching these national team players, that he was literally closing off all media for like, especially for his main stuff. Like for his shaping drills, for his tactical phase of play stuff, that sort of stuff where you expect to see from a manager, like the manager has to take that. I guarantee you Kairosh was doing every single coaching session for the national team. He was that committed. Um, but I agree with Sina, like yes, he doesn't need to take it. But in my opinion, in my opinion, the Iranian national team, I would, I would like to see a coach come in who is prepared to do the hard, the graft, the graft, because that's what the Iranian players are going to be used to as well with Kiro. Also, it's about what's going to inspire the players. Well, yeah, that's another thing. We've talked a lot about the positioning on the field, totally off, the tactic selection, totally off, the lack of plan B, non-existent. But something we also haven't mentioned is the fact that they looked in a 
in what was a huge game and also versus Bahrain, but it's interesting that it repeated twice. They looked so uninspired. The same team that played with so much determination in all of World Cup qualifying, in all of the World Cup games, in the Asian Cup games, in every friendly that Kairos put together, that the Federation put together. The players, I think we could criticize Iranian players for various things, but one thing I would never criticize this group of Team Medley of is not giving enough effort and not being and not playing with enough energy. The energy and the effort was always there. But in these last two games, it hasn't been there. You know, the Bahraini team looked like they wanted it a lot more than us. Maybe the weather had some stuff to do with that. But okay, next chance. Iraq game, again, the Iraqi players looked like they wanted 10 times more than us. And when you combine that with the players being confused about the tactical setup, not knowing what the plan B is, then the recipe is disaster. Two back-to-back losses, and now we're, you know, in danger of not qualifying. So just to, I mean, I'm going to come up to the, 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 the Twitter questions and basically all of them being the same question. But before we do that, I'm going to quickly just recap the game. So the game ended 2-1 to Iraq. Um, the goal that we that they scored, the first goal, uh, came from Mohanad Ali, who came from a, a bum, you know, the boat, it was a, a cross into the box. Um, Ibrahimi tried to play it out from the back. He messed it up and then... Mohamed Ali scored the goal. And then the next goal, we scored from a great play from Mohebi. Noor Lighty scored. And then the last goal, it was a 90th minute goal. Everyone switched off. Uh, Mohamed Nadiri's marking was not tight enough, not aggressive enough. And the goal went in. Now, that sort of recaps the match. But the Twitter questions, basically all the questions that we got on Twitter were, is Wilmot going to get sacked? Um, now, officially, from what I've heard from Iranian media, is that um, Wilmot has been given an ultimatum that if he doesn't win the next two games against Cambodia and Hong Kong in March, then he will be sacked. That is that is what they've told him, uh, from what I've heard. Now, that's the official decision, but should he be sacked is the question I'm going to ask you to. Should he have been sacked after this game? Just uh, go with Sina. I, I would say... Uh, oh, San. In Oh, should I go? Okay. No, no, you go, you go, you go. Yeah, okay. In my opinion, he should be sacked because we've had now a few games. They've been disastrous losses, and the team is showing no no signs that I would stick to and say, well, this is something that definitely he's been trying to improve. We can see it improving in the next game. We'll get there. He's a guy who just showed up, you know, three days before the game. The player selection is totally off. And, I mean, our World Cup qualification is hanging by a thread. We have to win every single remaining game. And if we don't, there's not going to be a meaningful team medley game for the next five years. You know, we're not going to be going to World Cup qualification. We're not going to be going to World Cup. And we won't be going to the Asian Cup either because the root of that is that you have to first qualify for the next stage. And But I think the issue is that he won't be getting fired because the federation is kind of hamstrung where if you fire him, you have to um, pay him. At least not if you're not going to pay him in full, you have to figure out a compensation package. And then you have to pay for a new coach too. 
So I think right now is pretty much, well, we're going to have to wait and see and hope that um, the next two games versus Hong Kong and Cambodia get some confidence back to the players. And then at home, at least with the quality of the players, when everyone is available, hopefully by then Zhao Bash and Kodus are back and ready to be selected. Uh, then hopefully the quality of the players takes over and we're able to get to the next round. But in my opinion, he would be gone. And um, if he wasn't going to be gone in this, if we think he can get us through this phase, then he would definitely be gone before uh, after, in preparation for the main round of World Cup qualifying. Yes, you know, I agree. I think my biggest issue is the fact that, as I said earlier, uh, we made a lot of mistakes in Bahrain game and a month on and we made the exact same mistakes again in the Iraq game from, from the beginning to the end. And as I said, it's, it's not necessarily that the loss itself, but uh, the fact that we, we don't seem to learn. There's no adjustments. There's no reaction in the game. Um, so it, it's been disappointing to watch them uh, in these last two games. And I, I don't think things are going to, to change going forward. I mean, we, we had an episode after he was appointed and I think almost all of us said, look, this guy... This guy is not right. And my personal problem from the beginning was the fact that this guy is on a um, contract in excess of $2 million a year. Um, it's, again, from a country that has a lot of a lot of issues from an economical stance, to pay this guy $2 million who turns up um, three or four days late and he lets the players go... The, day the game finishes he didn't even kind of have just just have to train I, I understand that it's not a friendly but again you don't know the players this is an opportunity for you to spend another week with them um, learn more about the players you know kind of brainstorm see what, what could you have done uh, about Kairos that did that and, frequently and it's, um, it's, it's really disappointing Kairos did that yeah, frequently that's Kairos, very Kairos, disappointing Kairos came a day before the training session you're absolutely right, Sahan. But do you know what the difference was? As I said it, the very first thing of this episode, Oceana Cruz, Makarov Janyan, and Alexander Lopez were in Iran on a regular basis, watching the players, meeting the players, uh, and sending reports to Kairosh. It's not about just Wilmot. It's about his coaching staff as well. Hashimian well, is mean, the only one who's in Iran. If so we have a, it's, it's, if we again, have a FIFA it's about day, the, um, yeah, the FIFA day. Yeah, again. if we have a FIFA day and there's no friendly, I mean, the federation, we know we have financial problems. Okay, there's no friendly. But you still have a day with these players. The legionnaires are all there. You, Kairos always took the opportunity for the extra days to work with the players, to talk about the tactical setups, to get some, extract something from that valuable time. This is a national See, no, I think that's what he meant. I think that's yeah. what he meant. Yeah, we don't, we don't have a lot of we don't have a lot of time with our players. You know what I mean? No, Just I agree. a few no, that's, that's breaks. exactly what I was saying. I agree we have you. to use it. So again, especially for a new manager coming in, and it's not just about Wilmos. If another manager comes in, it's the exact same scenario again. We won't have friendlies in every uh, every FIFA day. So use the opportunity to um, to kind of. Um, communicate with your players, see what they're like. You might not get on with two or three players, so at least you'll know from now going forward. It's, it's really ridiculous. From what I heard, and this is after he was appointed, that there was a lot of clauses in his contract. Uh, there was a few ridiculous ones, like he can't go and give interviews uh, against the Federation, against the uh, Sports Ministry. Um, he can't do a lot of other things that Kairosh kind of... Uh, had problems with all oh, about the uh, the kits, about the, uh, the the kind of the supplies, 
that the national team has. He can't complain about them. Um, and from what I heard, he had a clause in his contract that allowed the federation to get rid of him without paying all of his contract, basically. So I don't know if that's in effect from the beginning till the end of like his contract, clause, or if, yeah. it's, okay. if it's if it's something that can be kind of, um, you know, uh, uh, an option can be taken next year. If it is, then I think they should just get rid and, and bring someone else. And you can bring other people, I'd say, three or four times managers better than him uh, with half of his pay. Um, so I don't think he'll be sacked until, I'd say, maybe next summer. Mm. Uh, but they should start preparing for his uh, eventual departure. I really want to say, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude because I, I do... I, well, Mark Lomas was a really good player back in the day. If you don't know, he was a really good player for Belgium, so you can't just suspect the man. But he is not a coach. Like, um, Iran needs a coach. That's what they need. They need a, a real foot, lover of football, someone who is educu- educates themselves, who loves the game, who, who, who reads about the game. Kairos was a real, like, a scholar. He was, he loved football. He, like, read about it. He was always, and he was working with Alex Ferguson, for goodness sake. This guy was a lover. He loved football. I don't know if Wilmots has that same love for the game. Um, and that's what Iran really need. And it's hard to find that, obviously. But we need somebody who really cares and loves the game so much that he can love our players, or she can love our players. Because th- this is not, a nation that has real like our coaches are, are we're always good players like you know Hashim Yon's a good player Matt Amico a good player but they're not some people who like read into the game so much that you're like wow this guy can go and coach Barcelona do you know what I mean but Kairos could do you know what I mean that's that's different we need somebody who really loves the game that, that's well, and Will Mons, I mean, for me doesn't yeah I think Kairos was something just to finish up, I think he was something special for our football and probably was probably too good for our level too. But at the very least, we need somebody who's going to be able to, as you said, care and inspire the players and, um, you know, put in the extra effort for this team because the players feed off that. And I think particularly Iranian players who are emotional, especially, they feed off that. And when Kairos was giving them that energy and that love, they were able to respond with performances on the field. But if something feels kind of, you know, very um, half half effort and uh, not consistent, you know, it's going to translate to a lack of energy on the field, and we're seeing that. I want to just add one thing, and this is just from my personal experience as a coach. Like, um, this is oh, and this will be the last point we'll finish on after this, but. Um, if you look at the way Wilmot says his demeanor on the on the pitch as a like on the sideline, it's very different to what Kairos was like. And I'm not trying to compare the two; it's different. You can't compare them, but it doesn't help when a coach is clapping when someone makes a mistake. It doesn't help. I know people think that helps. It doesn't help. It does not help a professional footballer that you can like, when he claps and he like, gives a thumbs up and he like smiles like that does not help. And that's not the players don't want that. The players do not want to be treated in that way, where they feel like they're being, you know, 
you know, they feel like they're not as good. It doesn't help. And I don't think that he understands that yet. And I think he has to understand the the mentality of an Iranian footballer, of a of a player who play, plays at a decent level, like Mohammadi or whatever. And he, if he can't get to that, if he can't get that across, he has to be sacked because he will never get the changing room in his favour. It will never happen because people don't want um, a motivator. For me, he's a motivator. He's not a coach. And people don't want that. And especially the fact that he speaks in French doesn't help either. He doesn't speak English, doesn't really help. And I don't think that it's going to be a good thing in the future if you got, if you got a French motivator, a French-speaking motivator in the changing room. It doesn't help. So he has to go, if, in my opinion. Arya Kairush was the biggest motivator. No, I'm saying he was, but he was also a coach. That's the difference. He did it in a way where he understood his players. He was a motivator, but he did it in a he did it with, with psychology. There was sports if, psychology was applied. If Wilmots was motivating them, that would at least be a positive. No, but I don't but think he's, he's motivating them. Either. Yeah, but the other point I just made is he speaks French. Kairos spoke English. That's the difference. That's the difference, man. Like if you speak French and you motivate a guy who doesn't understand French, it doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? So, um, anyway, we'll, we'll wrap up there. Uh, I think that the the next podcast we do, um, it won't be for a little while because obviously there's no national team games, but we might do a podcast in, in maybe in a, in a month or so, maybe even before that, uh, in regards to uh, possible. Um, Iranian league matches or, or just depending on, on what happens with Iranian football and maybe if Wilmots does get sacked we'll make a podcast on that but for now we'll, we'll let you guys let, let you guys um, listen to the listen to the other podcasts that we've made in, in, in the past but make sure you follow us on, on Instagram on, on Twitter and then like us on Facebook so we need to do more on Facebook as well so we'll, we'll try and get that going but I uh, appreciate Sand coming on uh, really did the that was a good favour to come on and uh, Sina as well as always thanks for listening and we'll see you next time hi this is Kat and you're listening to Golbazan and I hope you continue listening to their amazing podcast thank you all for the support love you Golbazan